Welcome back everyone. Super excited, the new season is here. Uh, and with that comes a lot of matches in a very short period of time. Uh, one of the things that I've been very curious about is to get to know more about Leeds. There's a lot of news uh, about you know, how they're doing, uh, how they've had this resurgence under Bielsa. And I've been just in generally very interested in understanding what's going on. So I'm going to speak in this episode with Andrew, who's my friend and colleague, and who's probably the only Leeds fan I know, to find out about everything uh, leads over the last two years uh, and also probably a little bit of an overview of the last two decades and try to understand what the journey has been like to get back into the Premier League uh, and to really deeply discuss the character that is Bielsa. Super excited as I mentioned. Uh, let's go. So I think before we start, just a quickly a short introduction on uh, how I've known Andrew. Andrew and I are colleagues, uh, and so we, we meet quite often. We used to play pool quite a lot, and then we'd eventually talk about football quite a lot as well. Uh, you know, me coming from India, I actually, because we are not close to any of these uh, clubs physically, I think the ones that we tend to follow are probably the top four, top six clubs. Uh, also because the games that are on television are from these clubs. So I really, it'll be very hard for me to watch Leeds game. So it's very hard for me to uh, sort of support uh -huh. someone uh, staying in so India um, who is not probably, you know, shown on television as much. And Leeds is one of, uh, sort of a team like that uh, in the last 16 years. So you would probably notice that not a lot of uh, people from the uh, from Asia support a lot of teams uh, that are in the premiership. Uh, so I admittedly uh -huh. don't know a whole lot, but I'm super interested because the story behind Leeds, the story behind Bielsa. So I want to ask you a lot of questions around that. Yep, that, that sounds good. Um, even from myself coming from Malta, um, hmm. there aren't um, that many Leeds United supporters there. Um, right. The same, like most predominantly, you'll find all the Liverpool supporters, Man United supporters, um, Chelsea and Man City nowadays as well. Um, and then there's a lot of like Italian club supporters, but Leeds United as a fan base within Malta is nothing to, to uh, compare to the others. Right. So how, how then did you start supporting Leeds United? My, my dad supported Leeds. So when he mm. was growing up um, in the 60s and 70s, um, mm. uh, the, the most people were supporting Man United and Liverpool um, and he wanted mm. to be different. He he liked Jack Charlton as a player and Peter Lorimer, who both played right. for Leeds. Um, and he started supporting Leeds from a very young age. And that kind of passed on to, to myself and my, my brother. Um, right. uh, and yeah, and, and it's been one hell of a journey, that's for sure. Right. And that's true. So, uh, speaking of that, uh, I think I started supporting Arsenal or started watching football about the early 2000s. And I actually remember Arsenal and Leeds having uh, a bit of a rivalry back then. Uh, I mean, even now when I go on these uh, Arsenal football blogs, whenever Leeds comes up, <laughs> they're not very nice to Leeds. I don't know the history. I don't know the uh, what the rivalry is about. Uh, but that's you know, when I heard about Leeds uh, towards the early 2000s. So it's been a big absence from the Premier League. Can you sort of describe what's this, what, has, what this has been like for you uh, uh, over the last 15, 16 years, watching Leeds play, hoping that they'd probably come to uh, the Premier League again? What has it been like? Yeah. No, it's been really crazy. You know, some of, the, some of the owners we've been through, some of the managers we've been through have been uh, from absolutely dire to practically comical at some point at some points um it, it's we, we had we had 
moments where we came close when we looked like we're picking up some kind of momentum only for it to kind of be um, taken away from us with, with, with some just dwindling off towards the end of the season um, uh, or just not being active enough in the transfer market when we when we needed to be so it, it's been a really long journey you know we got relegated in 2003 2004 um, and we the year the immediate year after that we got to the playoff final where we lost the playoff final to bounce straight back up the, fo- the following year we went down to League One um, and, and then we spent three years three seasons in League One um, it, it's, it's you'd think that a club of Leeds' size would be able to bounce back quite quick from these situations but as you can see it just took 16 years um, to, to do so um, and it took a really special owner and special manager to, to, to do that um, yeah, it's been tough, especially following from Malta. You know, we we would would listen into the radio, so on internet radio, and follow the games that way when we couldn't get to watch them. Uh, that was most of the time because they'd only select a few um, for for TV. Um, so yeah, we'd we'd still go up once, twice a year to to watch them. Um, Try. Obviously, that's always fun, but then again, there are moments where you literally travel just to see a, a nil-nil draw against Luton Town, which wasn't the most exciting. Um, but yeah, but but it's it's been a very very long time coming. Um, yeah. It's it's challenged our support. I think it challenges most people's support in those situations. You can see the yeah. attendance at the stadiums. Um, uh, getting quite low at times, hitting like 15,000, 17,000. Um, where, where, for example, in our last season um, in the championship when we went up as champions, we were constantly at 32, 33,000. So obviously it does have an impact on the following. Um, uh, it, it's, just, it's just logical that that takes place. So yeah, but it's, it's been, a, been a very long, long time. Right, and and when you talk about uh, Leeds size, right, uh, and to talk about the size of the club now, uh, in the early two thousands, I think all stadiums had the same capacity, about thirty, forty thousand, right? Maybe United yeah. had a bigger capacity, but they were also in in Manchester. And now, I think over the last decade, every club has upgraded the stadium, right? Um, so yeah. when you look at the size of the stadium, size of support, um, like you say, I think it maxes out at about thirty-five thousand maximum. Yeah. Uh, do you see the size of the club uh, and the size of the size of the supporter base going up now that you're back in the Premier League? Definitely. Um, generally, Leeds has quite a decent um, fan base around the world. Um, there's a big following in the Nordic countries. There's, you know, there's in Australia. There, there's quite a big following. But since we've been promoted just these past month, month and a half, there seems to be a bit of a, an attraction towards Leeds, where I'm seeing people like people have sort of become um, Leeds has sort of become people's second team to a certain extent. Um, I think that has to do with the Bielsa factor also, which is quite odd for us because generally Leeds are quite a disliked team, um, especially mm. with, within within the UK. Um, mm. That comes from the six from the, from the Don Revy era where we were referred to as dirty Leeds, um, and it's mm. just because of a very hard style a very aggressive style of football um so yes i think there has been an, an increase um a bit of a liking taking towards leeds um just because of the style of the style of football we're playing also 
Okay. Well, I think one of the key factors uh, is over the last two or three years, the introduction of Bielsa. Um, I, I can't pretend yeah. to have heard of him. Uh, but then now I read more about him. I understand he's been around for a long time. His influence is actually um, on many, many players like Alexis Sanchez being one of them. But And also a lot of managers speak very highly of him. Pep Guardiola yeah. says something uh, like every every place he goes, uh, you know, he raises standard of absolutely everyone. So uh, just, I mean... Yeah. Uh, this, except for the results, just to try to understand uh, what cultural difference he's, he's brought to Leeds uh, in the last couple of years. So, I, I, um, like from what I've seen, he's definitely very more meticulous um, in the detail. Um, his, 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 his tactics are all about physical um, strength. So the team really needs to be at their top physical performance throughout the throughout the whole season. So he's known for having very um, very tough training sessions, training three mm. times three times a day. He sets up um, like a sleeping sleeping quarters in the training grounds for the players oh. to rest there, and then they can train again right after they don't go back home. Um, he's he runs these games once a week called which the players refer to as murder ball, where it's like an eleven v eleven. Um, and it's surrounded by the coaches with balls and the, there's never a break. As soon as the ball goes out, they throw another one in. Um, mm. And it basically just seems to be just like a killer session um, for them. Mm. So he, he, he bases everything on that very high high intensity, non-stop running. You've got to be able to mm. last the 90 minutes, rest for a couple of days and go again. Um, he, it's a constant high press, high pressure. Um, so he's really changed that. Like when you, you see the squad of players, we've made Mainly, ha- it's it, the bone of the team is very much the same squad that we had seasons before he came, where they weren't quite making it. But he's managed to get um, a level out of these same players that's taken us one step further each each season has been here, the two seasons. So yeah, I, I think he bases everything off that. Um, uh, also, there are similarities in his tactics with teams like Guardiola and Klopp also, uh, mm. but especially Guardiola, po- Pochettino, Simeone, these have all come out and said that he has been a, a, a big influence on them. Um, right. uh, Pochettino has even called him his football father. So, mm. so there's there's a very high in high regard for him in the sport. Um, some people question that just because of the number of trophies he doesn't hasn't won um he's yeah. won a couple of trophies in his home uh, with his home club um Newell old boys um but for him like he, there are some really interesting videos out there of him where he talks about winning trophies making money and having a connection with the fans and how these are the three different elements that make up a manager um mm. And he says that the most important one for him is always about having the connection with the fans. Um, uh, and if you can improve players, that's better than any trophy out there. Um, so, so he's very particular. He's, he's not your normal manager. He doesn't really interact too much with the media. Um, even now for the latest um, contract he signed with us, apparently he was quite surprised with the amount of media duties he has to do um, once he's oh. in the Premier League. He was quite shocked about it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, he, he's football obsessed, football mad. Um, uh, for example, when when the owners contacted him, contacted him first, um, thinking about uh, bringing him in as manager, he. Mm. 
and they left a message for him because he didn't pick up. Um, when they phoned him up the next day, he had already watched seven matches of Leeds and ran an analysis himself um, on the different players. So he's he's yeah he's very very down to the last detail, data driven. Um, he's got a big data team with him. Um, as you might have seen after the Spygate incident, he he, huh. did, he gave that presentation on the analytics. Um, uh, which which is is a date that everyone has, but he really goes that one level deeper. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think uh, also I read someplace that uh, when he was uh, he needed a visa for the UK, he had to prove that he was an exceptional talent, and I think he uh, detailed. 29 different formations and he said there are 29 formations in football exhaustively and he detailed all of them um, and yeah I think he finally <laughs> got the <laughs> exceptional talent um, sort of visa so uh, I think this is something that he's quite popular with you mentioned um, uh, so when you say that you know the training sessions are so intense I also hear this phrase uh, it's called the Bielsa burnout that his teams towards yep. the second uh, side of the season uh, just don't perform as well what is your opinion on this? He does have a history. Um, he does have a history of doing, like being, um, doing really well up until Christmas, mid 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 season, and then slowly dwindle off. Um, he does have that reputation, um, and in fact, there was that big big question on him when he came there in our first season, um, if if that would happen, especially considering the championship is a forty six game season. Mm. Um, th- th- we did see some signs of that. Um, we did, I wouldn't say physically though, because when they did ask him about this, he also said physically the data shows that the players running are more than any, are running more than they did in the beginning of the season. But it it, it could be a mental aspect. It could be a, a bit of a t- yeah, just mentally they could be exhausted um, fr- from the from the. It could be also from the pressure of being top. You know, not all teams, not all yeah. squads can handle that. So that's why maybe the second season allowed us to allowed the team to to have the team was able to build on what they did the season before um yeah it'll be interesting to see what whether that happens again this season because some obviously this in the second season there was the whole covid break so there were talk of oh that benefited leeds because they were allowed to take a break and recover um with then the final run in again um mm. yeah it, 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 it's it's a point that does seem to come up a lot um whenever they they Bielsa has mentioned um I wouldn't say I, I, it's difficult. It's difficult for me to judge based on the two seasons that, that we've seen so far. Right, and uh, also like so, the, because you train so hard, do you need a bigger squad, or do you have a lot of injuries as a result of it? That's that's the other interesting aspect. He really likes uh, a lean squad. Um, he, he he doesn't want to have an overinflated squad with players there who are not really getting game time. Um, in fact, even just yesterday, the day before, uh, yesterday, yesterday it was in the pre-match for the for the Saturday game. He said those players who are not going to be playing are going to be allowed to go out on loan. Um, so yeah, he, he does like a, a lean squad. And as for injuries, I wouldn't say we get any any more injuries than other teams do. Um, so no, he he, he the, the, his team seems to handle that quite well. Um, there have been some players who, like Adam Forshaw, has been quite unlucky with injuries. Each time he's coming back, he has another setback. But it just seems to be that he's um, become a bit injury prone, and I I wouldn't really put that down to the sessions. Right. Okay. So um, I think uh, we have a. 
good idea of uh, you know what he's about and then just to try to understand uh, in the last maybe 16 years have you had a manager who has uh, been this good or do you think this is he's much better than what you've had before for the last uh, decade or so no i think he's definitely much better um he's he's uh, he's a world class manager i think we haven't had a world class manager for a very 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 long time um we did have some good managers we had gary monk we had thomas christensen um simon grayson was excellent for us when he first brought us up from league 1 and we we did pretty decent in his first season back um but I, I think from a tactical perspective, um, I think, and, and from the influences had across the world, you can see that on the players. Like you mentioned um, a player earlier as well who, who speaks highly of him. Like on Twitter, there are loads. Like Benjamin Mendy is always going on about him. Um, even when it comes to the transfer market, having someone like Bielsa, with, with, you see a bit of a more of an attractiveness to the club and players. Like we just signed Rodrigo, who's Spain's number nine. Um, Having someone like Bielsa coach you is um, is a is a big pull for the for these kind of players. You can just see the way he's improved this squad. You know he's known to really develop players. He he's known to really improve them. Um, you can like Calvin Phillips, who who was pretty average before he came. He's given him a new role. He's playing him in, in as a defensive midfielder now, um, and he pivots most of our play. Since then, he was voted like player of the season um, we turned down a bid from Aston Villa um, last summer which was about reportedly like 30 million um, and he's actually made his England debut now without even having played Premier League football yet so he's right. really takes players and he really enhances their perfor- enhances their performance and their abilities to, to another level I don't think we've ever had that at least in my lifetime yeah or in these uh... past 16 20 years Right, I think Mendy, Sanchez, a lot of surprising. I mean, yeah, he's he was a coach for Chile, I think. So I think that yeah. is where um, you know he's had an influence on those players. He's like had a, his coach, uh, his coach Chile and Argentina. Right. Yeah, I, I just read that briefly. And I think yeah, yeah. Uh, Alexis Sanchez says that uh, he would have not been the player he is today if it wasn't for Bielsa. Um, and you, you mentioned that he really develops players. So has he also taken an interest in your academy, um, the younger players? And is he showing sort of any interest in developing uh, you know, young players? Absolutely. Um, since the start of... Um, there were some very interesting stats of that, like the number of youngsters he's given debuts to. Um, over the past over the past seasons, which like surpassed all other managers in the championship at least, um, so he really does bring in talent. He he, he put, puts a lot of focus on the under twenty three squad. We've signed, in fact, even this summer about four or five players. We signed someone from Arsenal, actually, Sam Greenwood. Um, uh, so yes. he's they're constantly looking for this young talent to to develop and who they who they see potential in of of being future f- future players for us. Um, so yeah even the same like these under 23 matches under 21 matches he's always there he's always going to watch them he's he's um, he's totally football mad Um, even Klopp kind of passed a comment about how they're all obsessed with football but Bielsa just is like one step further 
Right. So I think um, that gives us a good idea now to just talk about a couple of uh, the controversial things around him. Yeah. So uh, one is, I think um, you there was uh, this controversy uh, called Spygate, where Bielsa yeah. apparently sent, um, I think, uh, the Frank Lampard's club, Derby County. He sent a spy uh, and he admitted doing this. Um, what I think the opinion was divided on this. I was wondering what mm-hmm. you think of it. It was quite interesting when it first happened. I thought, "Oh no! Like this is this this is bad. This this shouldn't be happening." But then, once you find out the details, it was it wasn't like they broke in. It it wasn't like they broke into the training ground. They, it, it, there was a public footpath, a public footpath where you stand on. You can basically see what's happening, um, and I, I think I think it's. I don't think it's. Mm. I think it was blown out of proportion. Um, I think it was a big mass media hysteria event. Um, ultimately, I like the fact that he would go that one step beyond to try and get an edge, to try and get an understanding. He says it doesn't really give him much of an edge because it's more about him dealing with his anxiety and making sure he's covered all aspects of his of his pre-match plan. Um, I, I, I like I like seeing that in a manager. Like there's there are these stories of Mourinho and Mourinho was banned from Champions League football. He um did sneak in, in a laundry basket to give a half time team talk one time with Chelsea. Um you know, like sometimes winners sometimes to, 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 to get the most out of it you need to you need to do these sort of things, right? Um, it's it's a desire to try and win at win at all costs to try and to try and be the best he could. Um, so from my end, I didn't think it was that that of a big deal, that much of a of a of a. It, was, it wasn't even a rule about it, to be honest. I think they've only made a rule now that that, that after that happened. Um, so I I I liked it <laughs> as a Leeds fan. Yeah. I, I kind of liked it. I said, okay, that's that's I like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I get it. I think it's it's just trying to use every advantage to succeed. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. you, you probably, I think, generally, you like seeing that. You like seeing that he's thinking about even edge cases where before yeah. the manager barely did the job. And what was interesting is that after the whole story broke and everything, he actually just came out and said, "Yes, I've done that to every club actually and every game we've played." So he he really wasn't phased. He really wasn't phased by trying to deny it or trying to hide it in any way. Um, he had, then after the match, he even went on and and did the whole presentation um, with all the. the 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 statistics to show like what level of detail he goes into and how just doing that just helps to put him at ease. He's a very particular character, you know. He's um, he's very obsessed and he like he walks the training. He's not all into this materialistic stuff. Um, he he walks it. He, he rents like a very modest one bedroom apartment, um, which allows him to walk it towards to walk it back and forth from the training ground. Um, so yeah, so so he's yeah he's he's a very particular character. So just ha- adding this Spygate whole thing to it for me was quite intriguing as well. That he he does he thinks of these sorts of things also, and and I know the English media try and paint it like it's a very um, dishonest thing to do. But this is something that has been going on in sport, especially in football, for decades and decades. You know, even in World Cup in World Cups and in European trophies, there's there's always someone in the if you're training in the stadiums, there's always someone trying to get it have a look and see what you're doing and report it back whether it's a journalist or whether it's a, a ground staff um 
So yeah, I, I I think it was just fun for the media, but ultimately yeah. I don't really think it was any uh, anything too bad about it. Right. And, what, do you, uh, what, so, what did you, what did you think about it? Like, what do you? Hmm. I just think that. Um, um it's just about trying to get every edge uh, and if there is a little bit of uh, gray area there and he's trying to exploit it and i think it yeah. also happens very commonly in the country that he comes from i think he says it's actually super common so i think it's a yeah. uh, maybe a cultural thing um, and uh, in england which he's learned and then i think he apologized as well the 200000 fine that was levied on leeds i think he paid it out of his own pocket yeah. as well correct yeah. yeah he did he did so yeah i think uh, and these things happen uh, but they of course they're interesting and i i think the other controversial uh, thing for me which yeah this is something that is probably a bit of fun but the other one uh, when you could actually last season not this one uh, you had a chance to qualify then uh, in 2018 2019 uh, mm-hmm. and in a match where it was mathematically possible for you to get uh, automatic promotion uh, there was an incident where uh, a player of the opposition team was on the ground uh, injured and leeds scored and then uh, yeah. you know, Why, why don't you describe what happened? I think that that'll be better. Um, yeah, so as was against Aston Villa, one of their players went down injured, um, and we continued playing, and and Matthias Click scored um, a goal to go one nil up. Um, a whole um, aggressive pushing happened after that. One of their players got sent off. Um, what's that? I'm going to sneeze. Huh? No. <laughs> no. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no um, um, yeah, and, and after that, we allowed them to score from the kickoff, so they just walked up to an empty goal and, and kicked it in. Pontus Janssen tried to stop it; he didn't agree yeah. with Bielsa, um, yeah. but Bielsa was basically just shouting to let them have the goal, and I think it wow. did end one all. And then um, I. I I don't agree with having to stop the play, especially when it's further up the pitch. Like if it's a goalkeeper, it's one thing. If it's a central defender right there in the attack, it's one thing. But if it's further up the pitch and and someone gets injured, you know, it's like you just continue playing. In fact, after that, Bielsa made it clear that he let all the managers know that unless the referee stops it, we're going to be continuing playing, and he, he expects them to do the same. Um, so yeah, I. I Obviously, it's a nice sportsmanship to do, but I didn't particularly agree with it. I would have just continued, you know, especially when you see the way Villa um, only last season, the, the one of their opponents were down on the floor and they went ahead and scored anyway. You know what I mean? So everyone tries to be the the honest one and say, "Oh, you shouldn't be doing that." But when they're in the situation, then they will gladly do it. Um, for example, Villa actually as well, the Sheffield United goal, and once the Once the season was resumed after the pandemic, um, Sheffield United scored a goal and it went over the line. It went in, and they um, and the VA, the, the goal line technology was not working, so the the goal was never given to Sheffield United. And Aston Villa obviously didn't give them a goal back, although the goalkeeper very well knew that it went over the line because he was holding it by the net. So you know what I mean? It's 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 everyone tries to take the more high ground when it's against them, but when yeah. they're it's in favor of them, they quickly ignore it. 
Yeah, I've seen plenty of times when a team is losing or trying to catch up towards the end. They actually don't stop the game at all if someone is injured. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah. And and when, you grow, when you're growing up, I think uh, the first thing the coaches tell you is to play to the whistle. So yeah, you're not supposed yeah, exactly. to just play to the whistle. So, yeah, I think... And I think, was, I think I think I think had a bit of the pressure, or, or in his mind at least, he must have already thought about oh the Spygate was an issue. Like I don't have any other issues or, or bring any negative attention onto the club again. So he probably just figured, just let them take the goal. Uh, although I think it was mathematically possible, I think it was still quite a tough ask for us. Um, it was something like Sheffield United would have had to lose all their matches or, or something like. Um, so yeah. But how does the club react or the, or the supporters react in this situation? I understand it's nice to be honourable, uh, but I think there was a grey area there. And um, it, it's, it's a, you know, if you did win qualification last year, we're talking about millions and millions of pounds. So I think yeah. it's, it's just because he wanted to take the high ground, the model high ground this one time. Can the club tolerate, uh, you know, such a circumstance again? How do you think internally the club reacted uh, with Bielsa? I think they would have totally backed him and agreed with what he decides to do. I think like the influence, he's, the change he's had and the influence uh, he's had on the club and the team um, gives him that level of um, of power where, okay, we'll agree with what you're doing and, and we'll back you. Um, I don't think we'd be where we are if it wasn't for him. He's, he's like, as I said, he's like changed, turned everything around completely. He... He works on a one-year contract, on a one-year rolling contract. So this is the third time now that we're giving him a one-year contract until next summer. Um, uh, and he wants things to be exactly how they are. And he wants to know that you've got, he's got your backing. There are stories of him of when he's walked out of clubs after a few days after the first game of the season. For example, with Lazio, he, he, signed, he, he signed a contract with them and after two days resigned just because he didn't feel the club were doing what they needed to get the right, right players in. Mm. Um, I think as well with Athletic Bilbao, he might have, he, he resigned after the first season, after the first, sorry, after the first game of the season. Um, so he, he, it's not about the money for him. He just wants to know he's got your backing. You've got and you've got his, and you're gonna. You know that he's going to be doing everything he can to deliver what needs to be delivered and improve the players and and get to, to your aim of that season. So you mentioned that he has a one-year contract. I mean, one would imagine yeah. that if you if you uh, you know get your club to the Premier League, then uh, you can dictate a much longer contract. Why do you think he's happy uh, with just a one-year rolling contract? He's like that. He's like, listen, like, let's just do a one-year contract. If it doesn't work out, I'll just walk, and you don't have to pay me. You know what, what happens in, on, on continental Europe? It's more common to have one and two-year contracts in the Premier League. They tend to go a bit um, higher, like with four-year contracts and five-year contracts, which isn't very common because ultimately it doesn't really benefit anyone right because if the manager sat settled and satisfied with you he's going to be staying around um so so what happens is that then you come to sack a manager and you're having to buy out the, the remaining years of their contract so what he does you just work with a one-year contract if it works it it works we'll look into renewing the contract again he always ha- comes with a set of demands um he does he, he won't just sign the one-year contract but it usually comes with a 
based on a number of demands of, okay, we need to strengthen this position, um, especially with regards to the training ground. We need to have, a, like, he's introduced a, a, a sprint track, which we didn't have before. They've reopened the pool for him. They built the sleeping quarters. Um, so he comes with a lot of these kind of demands of what needs to be improved and changed on the, in, in the training facilities, particularly. Um, so, yeah, it works for him. He doesn't, he... He just works with that one, yeah? If it's going well, it's going well. If it's not, listen, I walk and you don't need to pay me anything. Um, and it just it just works. It's worked out for us. It's, it has. It might not work out for everyone, but in this situation, and I think with having someone like Bielsa who isn't in it for the for for, for the glory or for, to cover shower himself with glory, it works for him. I guess it might not work in situations where you could have bigger clubs coming to poach your manager and them being exactly, willing to yeah. listen. Them being mm. willing to listen. Like with us, he's. It's not about that for him. I'm sure he could walk into most clubs, um, and most clubs would gladly take him but for him it's not about that he he picks the clubs he wants to manage very carefully he likes um, these particularly um, working class uh, clubs with, with, uh, with mm. working class support uh, yeah. that really appeals to him coming from his, his, his he, he, he likes the average working man um, uh, he's got a big um, loyalty towards them um, so yeah it's, it's it's more about that for him than just about oh just going to the best club to win trophies kind of thing right so I think um, uh, I don't think Fulham is as big a story which, which is the other club that got uh, promoted Fulham Leeds and West Brom West Brom right so uh, I, I don't see that much hype about those clubs as I do uh, about Leeds um, mm-hmm. so do you think you're comparable to uh, West Brom and to Fulham or do you think uh, eventually there'll be a big difference in the table um, come the end of the year come the end of the season uh, between you and these two clubs I think I think the, the hype about Leeds is um, partly because of Bielsa partly because of the style of football we play um, and partly because we've just been absent for so long and also Leeds are predominantly one of the bigger clubs in in, in England um, easily one of the top 10 clubs um, when you look at the history and you look at the support like Leeds is a, a one city club a one club city um, so there's a big following from, from Yorkshire yeah. um, <laughs> so no it's 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 uh, I, I think as a club even from the stadium size um, it's 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 been a sleeping giant for a long long time and we're just really unfortunate with the owners and managers we had that we didn't get back sooner um, I'm hoping now we could cement our place if we can survive the next two seasons um, we could then maybe start trying to push towards the Europa League kind of places um, I think that's what our owner's aim is also um, so I think there's a lot of attention on that just because it's been so so long and we're quite a big club uh, I, 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 as for the season itself I really don't know what's going to happen okay there were promising signs against Liverpool um, but at the end of the day we still conceded four from four set pieces which is pretty shitty Um uh, and it's just it's just so difficult to call. It's it's just the the the, the, the matches are like like going into the championship this season, especially the last season, we're constantly favourite for every match. Uh, but now it's so different. Now we've got to see how we adapt to having to be more of the underdog in the matches. It could suit us better. Um, 
Yeah, it's just going to be super interesting. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I can't call it. Um, I, I, same for West Brom and Fulham. I, I just can't call it. I just don't know what, where, they'll, where they'll be come the end of the season. Um, some of the pundits seem to think that Leeds will be doing better than them. Um, I was seeing even, I believe, Jamie Redknapp said Leeds are going to be fine, but based on the performances that we saw on the first weekend, West Brom and Fulham are going to be in trouble. But it was just one game, you know. I think Norwich, although they lost to Liverpool 4-1 in the first game last season, they were getting praised um, quite a bit because they actually did play some really nice attacking football and they did create chances. And they ultimately did go down bottom placed. So I, I think I need to see a few more matches to be able to give a, 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 a better opinion on, on where I see us. Um, hmm. what, what, what are your thoughts? Did, did you watch the Liverpool-Leeds match? No, I did not. But I, I, I think that uh, you know I wouldn't be too hard on Leeds because you're also playing against uh, a top top side. I think the yeah. best side probably in Europe, uh, one of the best. And then I think um, uh, you know you had Salah to contend with, and uh, that can never be easy. You know he's just like I think uh, one of the best yeah. players in the world. And I think he's the one who probably made the difference. I haven't seen it, uh, but I know he yep. scored a hat-trick. So I, I really wouldn't be too hard on you guys. I was actually surprised when I saw the scoreline. Uh, and even though I was hoping that Leeds would uh, hopefully get a draw at least, I actually, towards the end of it, um, I was encouraged by the scoreline. Uh, I wasn't disappointed at all. Of course, I'm not a supporter, yep. uh, but I was super yeah. excited by it. Yeah. And even even the, the manner in which it happened were really unfortunate not to hold out um, for the draw. I like just gave away a penalty in the 88 minute was just uh, like so so uh, so frustrating um but it's it's yeah we, we kept Mane quiet for like Luke Ayling did a fantastic job keeping Mane quiet um he he, he was probably the the least influential of those of those top three and as you're saying we're playing against probably the one of the best attacks in the world so it's it's difficult to it's, it's not you can't be too harsh on them yeah, exactly. And uh, more on the footballing side now, um, just want to try to get an idea of what kind of a formation you play going uh, forward, staying back, uh, because I know that Bielsa sometimes prefers a back three. Uh, what is your exactly. opinion on, yeah, is that the one that he sticks with most often? He usually plays with like a 3-3-1-3 three, three, three kind of formation, um, which does modify and, and change to like a 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. Um so the, the the team, yeah, it it it's it's a really attractive style of football. Um, we really like bombing wingers up front. Um, we overload up front, but we always keep a plus one man in the back. Um, so there's always one less up front. Um, it's super attractive. It's 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 definitely effective in the championship. It was super effective. Even when we did lose matches, you'd see the um, the st- statistics would be totally in our favor from shots on from shots shots on goal, possession passes completed. Um, sometimes we'd find it a bit hard to break down very defensive teams. So if a team sets up very deep, um, we we do we did struggle many times, um, and then that break, hit us on the counter when we were committing people forward. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think it's a, an extremely attractive thing, and I think for people who haven't watched much of um, Leeds last season, I think they're going to be in for quite a treat to to see this style if he sticks to it, which he he is known to do. Um, one of my concerns is whether 
that is the right approach, but to just stick stick to it um, no matter what. I think coming to the Premier League, there are going to be those times where we need to know how to set up very defensively and see out a match um, uh, and just hold on to a one nil win or hold on for a draw um, just to keep bombing forward. In the Premier League, you could get punished, especially by the bigger teams. Um, but, but even thinking about uh, of our season ahead, I'd, I, I'm not looking at the Liverpool and the and the Man City and Chelsea to to win the points. You know, it's all about beating teams like Fulham and West Brom and West Ham and and Aston Villa. Like that's where I we need to really pick up the pick up the points. And I think that formation against those teams would would still work. Um, I think we're just very risky against the the, the bigger teams. We could get punished. Um, for example, Liverpool. Okay, we we ended four three, but we had three shots on goal and we scored all three. That could have easily been a four nil, you know, because on another day we could have missed those three shots on goal. So, yeah, we we need to we need to be careful with that. Speaking of which, uh, do you think Bielsa has uh, a plan A, B, C, D? So you think he has multiple iterations, or he sticks with probably the pr- primary uh, way of playing? He sticks with uh, mostly the primary, at least from the outside. I'm sure he's doing tweaks and, and, and things in, in there, which I wouldn't particularly notice. Um, but ultimately, just as from a f- formation, it does seem to be that he has an A and a B kind of thing. Um, he doesn't mix it up too much. He, he's very committed to his style. Hmm. Okay, and uh, I think uh, now getting on to probably more fantasy Premier League. Uh, I think trying to understand uh, which players uh, do we look out for, which players should we put in the team for now for the entire season. I mean, which, which are the yeah. players that you select out of uh, Leeds uh, for your team? I'm I'm actually not doing fantasy football this season. Um, right. Just just because of just had a kid, um, yeah. and I, it does take up quite a lot of time. So not surprisingly. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I need to yeah I, I I can't add anything extra at the moment on top of my on top of my days, right. um, and when I t- when I tend to do this I like to do it and actually do it one hundred percent and it really does like enga- I really do get fully engaged into these sort of things, um, but I'd definitely be looking at p- players like Luke Ayling, um, who's our wing back who really goes forward he brings in assists he does get goals also, um, he plays practically all matches um, same. For for Matthias Klich as, as a as a midfielder, he's, he, he plays a lot in the pockets and and he he's quite influential. Um, I think those two are really good value for money. Um, I saw Patrick Bamford. I came up on my Twitter feed. He's he's already had a price increase. Um, I don't know. Last season he missed so many amazing chances, which was so frustrating. Um, I, I I hope we can see an improved side in uh, an improved um, performances in him of actually. F- putting the ball in the back of the net because he works extremely hard. He runs all over the pitch. He really, with our high press, he leads that. Um, so what we, we work in really winning the ball back immediately as soon as we've lost it and he's like always spearheading that. Um, but if he can get in those goals, I think he's going to be a really, really, really good um, player to have in your team. Right, so I think that helps a lot of people. Have, have uh, you have you, have you already added any players yourself? 
No, I also am not playing fantasy Premier League. I think last year I did just did not get enough time and I barely engaged with it. So I said, th- I said, okay, let's uh, for one year. I think just look at matches and not be sort of uh, more focused on who's scoring the goals, but just enjoy games um, on the basis of uh, the entertainment value. Because I remember <laughs> even sometimes yeah. when Arsenal won like four zero and uh, none of the goals were scored by the players in my fantasy team, I somehow <laughs> st- <laughs> you know I wasn't completely. Happy happy uh, so I think um, uh, I just want to see because I've been playing fantasy Premier League for the last eight years maybe um, and uh, I think a break would be nice so uh, now I think it just yeah. I just focus on uh, you know watching the football and hoping that my team wins yeah. uh, Andrew, I, that's, I that's exactly what like the, the break I, I, I took a break last season as well um, this is the second one I've, I've taken because same reason because of the kid and it actually did feel a bit of a relief um, uh, just just yeah I was ending up watching matches that wouldn't really um, interest me too much or at least wouldn't be and all of a sudden I'm like supporting someone to try and get a goal hoping someone else gets a clean sheet and it's like this constant relentless obsession of, of following all the matches and it's just like okay I need to take a step back from that yeah, exactly. Uh, Andrew, I think we have a lot of information and especially I think for, as a first episode on Bielsa, uh, you know, to yeah. um, our subscriber base at least, uh, I think this is a good start. Uh, so if you have nothing to add, uh, I think uh, what I really like is uh, to catch up with you more often uh, on the back of results, games and try to continue the story and sort of uh, continue on trying to understand and follow the journey of Leeds uh, through the season. Exactly. I would, would love to love to be on here more often. Um right. Yeah, and I look forward especially to the Leeds-Arsenal matches. That's going to be quite yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah, I think the Leeds-Arsenal, uh, we've decided that uh, uh, when Leeds is home, then uh, we're going to go watch uh, watch Leeds-Arsenal at Andrew's place. And then the opposite, uh, probably in February, uh, it's Arsenal versus Leeds. So I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. I, I think, you know, honestly, if you ask me, uh, Fulham, West Brom, I'm not that worried about, worried about when we're playing them. I think Fulham, you could see even 3-0 uh, and it, it didn't seem to be much of a problem. But I think Leeds are just going to put up, uh, especially at home, a much harder fight. And uh, yeah. Yeah, normally, you know, a team that comes uh, up from relegation, I'd really not be worried. But <laughs> I can't say the same. I think I, there's a chance for me to be embarrassed both yeah. times. <laughs> even even in, the, in the FA Cup third round last season, um, it was earlier this year, actually. It was in January. We, we lost 1-0 um, to, to, to Arsenal. Um, and it was quite a, it was quite a good, good match. We had, we had our opportunities. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, uh, were you so, playing so, against so, Arsenal so, last year? Yeah, we played Arsenal Leeds FA Cup till okay. round. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember now. Uh, I think um, I remember also the FA Cup match uh, a long time back when Henri made his comeback and scored a goal. I think we won against Leeds, um, and that is, that is probably the last goal Henri scored uh, was against Leeds. So that one I remember distinctly. And now that you mention, I also remember the third round match. But yeah, I think it's going to be a different story this time. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, I think uh, I'm really looking forward to the season. Yep. Same here. It's going to be a roller coaster, whatever happens. Cool. Uh, thanks again, uh, and I'll speak to you soon again.
Good. Talk soon. That was a lot of fun. Uh, for me, especially because I really don't do any uh, research beforehand because I'm probably more interested in learning everything uh, for the first time. I don't want to have an opinion. I don't want to generally get a lot of information beforehand. I want to be curious and I want to really know what the opinion of the guest is. So I hope uh, we did, that, did it this time. And if you knew nothing about leads, hopefully you, knew, you know a couple of things now. And if you'd like to uh, follow up on the story throughout the season, uh, whenever I post an episode about leads, I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the title. Uh, so keep a look out for that. And uh, hopefully I'll see you again. Thank you for listening. Uh, see you soon. Bye.